0: Welcome to the Nova Church's podcast. We are a vibrant, dynamic, multicultural church in Alexandria, Virginia. Join us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. For more information, go to www.thenovachurch.com. We're excited to share this week's message with you. God bless. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Some of you are like, Pastor, that's like all your sermons. I forgive you. That's okay. I'm going to choose to leave all of that bitterness behind in 2019. Mm. First Samuel chapter 3. <clears throat> now, I'm going I'm to warn you right now. And I, I don't do this often, but I'm going to tell you that this is going to be a very unique service. And I'm going to give you the easy out card right now that if you may feel like, whoa, uh, whoa, what's going on here? Uh, This is probably your time to leave. Just pretend like you're going to the bathroom and don't come back and I won't get offended, okay? Now, some of y'all leave and go to the bathroom and don't come back when I'm preaching good stuff and I get offended about that. But again, I leave that in 2019. But I'm gonna be extremely transparent today. As we talk about the state of the church uh, I'm going to be very honest with you as I talk about church finances. I'm going to talk about what we've done great in 2019. You're going to see figures of where money's gone because I believe in one thing you are the church. This is not Pastor's church. Somebody say amen. This is God's church. And you are the church. I believe that. And every year, if you've never been in a state of the church address with Pastor, or a vision service, this is where I peel back the curtain and I want you to know what's going on in your church because it's your church, amen? And so uh, I say that because I feel like it's important to kind of recap where's 2019, set forth where 2020 is going, and we're also going to have communion today at the end of service. So we've got a lot to cover and I'm gonna be very, very honest with you. And the reason I say that is is because sometimes people go woof, pastor, was, it was it was all over the place. And so I'm just gonna warn you that I'm gonna be honest and transparent and uh, maybe, maybe not even as filtered as I should be. The filter's coming off. So that's why I say that buckle up. We don't know where this thing's going, okay? It could end up to be a really bad car wreck, all right? And if you walk out of here saying, boy, that was a hot mess. I'm just telling you now it's on you folks, okay? I gave you the warning. You had a chance to get out of the roller coaster, all right? All right. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in a verse, I believe that's 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple where the ark of God was. I'm going to preach to you today on this subject, follow to lead. Follow to lead. Turn around to two or three people and tell somebody, follow to lead. and you may be seated as I quickly bring to your attention the context and gravity of today it is the end of a year but also the end of a decade some of you can remember very much so with me when it turned to previous end of the decades. Some in here probably can vaguely remember it, and some do not remember it at all. But I remember the Y2K thing. Can I get a witness, somebody? But teenagers are like, Y2 what? Y2K, right? And you know, the Y2K was the end of a year, end of a decade, a changing, uh, if you will. And boy, there was people that went a whole bunch of different directions, right? The, Reporters got their uh, 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 supplies, and, and all the fun stuff happened with that. And, uh, and you know, it was the, supposed to be the end of the world, and it, and it wasn't. And, and, uh, and then, you know, at the end of uh, 2009, it was, uh, you'll never see single digits again in your lifetime. It was, you're going to double digits, mere 2007, 8, 9, and, that, and then it was always 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Okay, you get the point, right? Okay, so, you know, you're never going to see that in the end of the decade. And, and as we get ready to go into 2020, you sit there and think, boy, who would have guessed all of the amazing things that the decade has brought, things of, of great, great magnitude of iPhones. Who would guess everybody would have phones that do all the capabilities and, and all of the amazing things that have happened that was not around a decade ago. It's still amazing that on your phone you can press a button, And a car will show up of a stranger and you get in the stranger's car and they take you to the place. You don't even have to say anything and get out of the car. That's crazy, folks. Okay, if you would have told somebody that in 2005, they five, they'd said stranger danger. All right. They'd been like, that is dangerous. Don't do it. But yet it happens all the time here in our current culture and time. It's an amazing time we live in, right? In ta- in terms of technology and music and, and things that have happened, uh, good and bad on the world stage. And you can kind of take a walk down your own memory lane, even in a personal sense and think, I probably would have never guessed here I am. Maybe some of you have thought that I would have never guessed I would be living in Washington, DC. Can I get a witness somebody, amen? Uh, anybody that's not from here, Right? 10 years ago, I was newly married and living in Florida where it's warm, folks, okay? And you golf year round. And, you know, I would have never guessed I had to deal with shoveling snow, but the Lord has brought me. here. Can I get a witness Somebody, right? You never know what a year may bring. You never know what a decade may bring. You never know what those things may come across your path. And yet we find on the brink and the precipice of 2020, we find ourselves at the beginning of the year of vision, if you will. And the parallel may be obvious, but let me declare for our church that this is the year of Perfect vision. See, 2020 is the easy and obvious analogy that if you have 2020 sight, you have perfect vision vision and to see clearly and to see precisely and the bible speaks of vision and the value of having vision and it only is fitting that in the year 2020 that that vision is our theme for the entire year and as the bible speaks of vision it actually talks about over 96 times itself in the book of proverbs chapter 29 and 18 the bible says where there is no Vision, the people perish. And, and the prophet Habakkuk declared the powerful words in Habakkuk chapter 2, if you can find it, props to you, but I'll read it out loud. In verse 2, the Bible says, And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Watch what he says. Make it plain, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. Watch what the prophet says. It hastens to the end and it will not lie. If it seems slow, I will love this. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. I love what the prophet says. He says, don't worry, it's going to happen. Even if you don't think it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It will not lie. It will come to fruition. He says, and if it seems slow, it's just delayed. I'm here to remind somebody that that I preach it over and over, but it's a great reminder that it may be delayed, but it is not denied. And, And when you think of the vision that God has and what he has spoken and what he wants for your life and what he wants for his church and what he wants do I'm here today to tell you that God has a plan and he has a vision and he has a purpose and it will come to pass I believe you ought to have a personal vision of what God's going to do for you in 2020 I believe you got to get a a made-up mind right here right now that God's going to do something great for me in my life in the upcoming year somebody shout amen amen if you believe that clap your hands But I also believe that when we seek His vision, we will find our vision. And our church thrives in the context of fulfilling the will of God. Let me explain. I was having a conversation with a dear friend, and he said a statement to me. And after he said the statement, he said, oh, I said, what's your theme for 2020? And uh, he said, oh, it's the obvious one. He said, me and a million other churches are doing vision. And I said, we are too. A million and one. And uh, he said a statement that just, just simmered in my spirit. Where he said, I feel like last year was a year of transition. But this year is a year of vision. And after he said that. I just couldn't shake the words. You know how sometimes when somebody says something to you and you can't shake it? It's just, it's like that. Now sometimes it's bad stuff, right? Sometimes it's the argument, well, if I tell them right now, I'll show them what I'd say, right? Or sometimes you wish you'd have said something that the words like linger and ring in your, it was like the words just couldn't leave me as, as I wrestled with it uh, uh, for a uh, really uh, uh, just almost the day it was kind of just simmering in the back of my mind while I was driving I was thinking and pondering about yeah transition to vision and I felt like the Lord just kind of gave me he spoke a word to me and and it was just something that was a refreshing and the, the Lord said you know I brought you through a season of transition to vision And he said, now you'll go into possession. And I thought, oh, I will declare that. And he said, but you can't possess what you can't see. And I just begin to feel that and said, oh, I believe that. And if you're ever going to possess what God has for you, you first got to see what God has for you. You can't possess something you don't see because you're unaware of it. You don't even want it. You're unwilling to go after it. You're unwilling to pay the price. You're unwilling to sacrifice. You're unwilling to go all in because if you can't see it, then it doesn't matter to you. It's in the oblivious. It's in the, the unknown. And, and, and it's not like the cute uh, Frozen 2 song, into the unknown. It's into the unknown like you're unaware and you you don't care about it see that was a cool culture reference good job pastor for throwing in the frozen two. my daughter should be in loving me but she ain't even in here to Hear that props to me I'll tell her I said that and I'll get dad points okay but watch for the sake of time you can't possess what you can't see and you can't go forward while you are transitioning from the past see in 2019 uh, if I could kind of give a recap if you will 2019 was definitely a year of transition for our church as I was pondering and planning and pastor is a super uber goal oriented person every year I have goals in every area of my life written down and I constantly put it in the back of my prayer journal are my goals. And I see, I have goals for the church, I have goals personally, I have goals in my marriage, I have goals as a dad, I have goals as a worker, I have goals individually, I have goals financially, I have goals health-wise. Some I hit, some I way miss. Can I get a witness, somebody? Anybody have some some honest? Okay, no honest folks up in here. It's all right, here in a few minutes when I open the altar call, y'all better be down here repenting, right? Acting like they hit all their goals. Mm. The devil is a liar up in here. But there's some goals I did and some goals I missed and there's some goals that were, hey, this is great. And other goals are just not not working. But our theme last year for 2019, this year was unshakable. And while praying about our theme, we felt that we would need to be unshakable in our faith. Unshakable in our beliefs and unshakable in our church, and we started memorizing verses this year. If you've been around, you've seen at the end of service where we do the 52 verses of memorizing to try to to continue to build a strong foundation that is unshakable through storm and whatnot. Little did I know that boy, there would be quite a few storms that happened in 2019. And I mentioned this in various settings, but last year uh, in our plan planning session and, and starting to set goals and plans and how we were going to do this with our team, I would have never guessed facing some of the things I've had to face this year, if I could just be honest. And, and if I could even maybe be a little more transparent, I could even break the, the, the year down into thirds that at one point through about a third to a quarter of the year, I just thought there's no way this could get worse. Well, there probably could be, but I mean, at this point, I just I mean, it's like man on every side. And I openly said even to friends in private moments that boy, this has definitely been the hardest year I have ever pastored in my 16 years of pastoring, and in my eight years of pastoring here specifically, this has definitely been the most challenging year that has stretched me and really uh, had to make me think and pray and grind, and, and it's really pulled a lot in some areas, and, and, and there's been times where I've just been, man, God, I don't know what to do, but then it seemed like at some point it just switched, and I can't tell you when, and I can't tell you where, and I can't tell you how, and I wish I could pinpoint, said, well, that was the moment, that was the prayer, that was the breakthrough, that was the service, and I can't really pinpoint that, but then all of a sudden, it didn't feel like it. But eventually, what I realized is that at the end of the year, I look back and realize, boy, at some point, there must have been a change because it just flipped. And everything that wasn't going right started going right. And all of a sudden, everything that seemed to not be working, then all of a sudden, started working. And all of a sudden, it was like, man, I hit a wall. And this wasn't working. That wasn't working. This didn't go the way I planned it. And, and, and I'll just be honest with you. You know, in 2019, one of my goals was we were going to start a church in Stafford. Anybody know if we got a church in Stafford? I know we don't. (laughs) Maybe you know, (laughs) but you know, I said, oh, we've got this and I told, I told our team specifically, and I said, we've got so much talent and so many resources and there's so many great leaders in this room that I said, we are beholden to do something great this year in 2019. And I said, if we're going to be a good steward of what God's given us, God's equipped people in this room, we're going to begin to send some people out. Now, I didn't mean that we are going to send them in a million different directions. I was thinking we're going to send them to one location and start a church. But God is God, and he knows what he's doing. But there was transitions of people and leaders and and things, and, and some of them aren't bad. Can I get a witness somebody? You know, let me just be honest with you that the Lord knows I just was on a call with a leader from somebody. Let me me make sure that you're not getting a doom and gloom picture here. Listen, if it's his church and he leads the church, you trust in him right? Even though you may have a plan, that doesn't mean that it's always his plan. And he may say, I actually have something you don't understand and you don't know. And you're in your finite logic and what you think is that's cute. But really, I've got a whole bigger plan. And what's fascinating is, is I was just on the phone with somebody that had transitioned out and, and there was transitions that I didn't see coming. But they said, oh, pastor, I've started going to this church. And oh, by the way, they know you. Oh, they know me. Yeah, they know you. They've said that you've actually been to their church before. Oh, yeah, I think I do remember those people. He said, yeah, I'm going to start helping them with an outreach program. and I'm going to start helping their church, and we're going to start doing a, a bus ministry, an inner city ministry. And you know what that is? That's God moving in the right way. And, and sometimes that's God moving people, saying, yeah, I know you think it's cute, but I actually need this person here. And you think you need them, but I know that God's done something. And I told them yesterday, I said, listen, God's equipped you, and you know what to do. Go. and do what God's done. What you've done here, do there. Don't sit on the sidelines. Go make a difference. That's why God moved you there. Now go do it. Can I get a witness? Let me just say that to you. Sometimes that's what God's saying is, hey, he's waiting on us and he's posturing us to get us to a place. And we may not understand all the details. And we may have plans and we may have dreams and we may have goals. But sometimes God says, actually, I've got a plan and I've got a dream and I've got a purpose and I've got a will. And I've got something I need you to do. And so we follow his plan, and we follow his will. And you know what, that's the beauty of God. That's the beauty that God does what he wants to, when he wants to, and how he wants to. But there are prayers that I often prayed, if I can be transparent as your pastor. He's just an honest pastor, folks, that's what I am. So I pray, prayed prayers like, God, why? Jesus, hello. Why are you doing this? Don't you know I need them? Don't you know this is what we need? God, don't take that away from me. God, don't you know how much I've invested in that? Lord, don't you know that's not how I planned it? Didn't I feel like you kind of led me in this direction, spoke to me in this direction? Now, what are you doing? And I know that probably some of you have prayed those prayers. You may be shocked to find that, yeah, pastor prays those prayers too. Because it's our humanity that when we don't know why, and we don't know when, and we don't know how, that we are honest with God. And it's okay, God's big enough that he can handle our questions. It wasn't, God, I'm bailing on you. It's, God, I don't understand why. But just like Job, just because you don't understand why doesn't mean that God's not in it it just builds your faith, and when you get out of it, you look back and say, boy, maybe he does know really what he's doing. Maybe he really is God. Maybe he really is on the throne. Perhaps maybe it's God showing us that, hey, I've got it all under control, which is why you can sit here and and you could probably sing the cute song, but that song, I love the first song. It's one of my favorite songs. That that, You know what? He's unmovable. He's steadfast. God is in control, and when you begin to sing that it, there's just something that excites me in the bottom of, in, in my bones in my from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head That just excites me that God is in control Somebody clap your hands and give him some praise that he's in control Now in our annual report I want to show you a little bit of what happened in the church this year now our church has really been amazing in a lot of areas and uh, you know I'll be honest with you is that uh, it, some of these things astounded me go to the first slide in last year in just an overview this was our income of 2018 to 2019 and it was really really amazing when you begin to see and if you're not familiar that there was hundred and ninety two thousand dollars that came in now pastor was like what now 54,000 of that went to rent. And what's fascinating about that is that, remember, we lost our ministry center halfway through the year, which would have been an additional $18,000 on top of that, which is what we normally pay for rent. Somebody say, my, my, my. Can I get a witness somebody? That's a lot of money to rent the school. And if you're unaware, again, pastor just tries to be very honest with you, is that You know, we rent the school till 1.30. That's a hard out because that's what we rent to. But if we rented more, then that would go up even higher. And our ministry center, you know, we really looked hard at trying to find a new location for our ministry center, which is where we do First Friday prayer and groups and our teen Bible stays. And let me just say, thank God for Sister Danielle, who is like the real MVP of the church. Because, like, everything's at her house, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I was, uh, you know, her birthday was yesterday. And, you know, uh, I told her we'd give her a surprise. surprises. I'm going to sing happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to you. Oh, you don't want that? Okay. You don't like my singing? Is that what it is? 2020, one of my goals is to be on the worship team. Happy birthday to you. See, five of you love that. Okay, good. But, you know, she's really amazing because honestly, if I could just be, not only is it a blessing that, but I mean, everything's at her house. Ladies events at her house, group Bible says at her house, prayer meetings at her house, ministers and trainings at her house, youth Bible say. You know, they cram like 25 teenagers into her, her living room. I mean, it's amazing, folks, okay? And, uh, and you know, and we were looking at that, um, but it's been fascinating. What's really, really, really exciting is last year, our church gave $14,600 to offerings, which means that came out that we were able to bless offerings and give to missionaries, which I believe we right now support nine active missionaries. That means every month. Our church, you all give nine missionaries, depend on our church to survive and to preach the gospel. That's pretty amazing. We also support an orphan at Tupelo Children's Mansion. Every month, our church sends an offering to help support. uh, uh, Her name is Miriam in Tupelo, which is just absolutely awesome that that is something our church does. And that's fantastic of what we've done. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Now, what's really also awesome is, I'm just gonna put some highlights to that as well. Um, that I don't know necessarily is here, is our average attendance went up. Spe- uh, and, and that was fantastic, is our average attendance was right at 87 people through the year, which is fantastic. Uh, y'all may think, oh, that's not a big deal. But man, I remember the days when our first start where we have 10 people and I'd be hoping that 10 showed up. And probably I brought six of them in my Corolla. I'd shove them in like little clowns in a clown car. You want to see amazing. I mean, put seven, eight people in a Corolla, folks. It's a miracle from the Lord. I'd be praying, God, don't pull us over. You know, God's been good, folks. Y'all didn't even know. I'm just being honest. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Stay back on that slide. Baptisms. Baptisms jumped significantly. Uh, We went from five to, I think, 18 baptisms last year, which is absolutely awesome. Now, you may say, Why is that important? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, we made a big change. Remember, that's why we went back to baptismal Sundays. In 2018, we experimented with not doing baptismal Sundays, which the reason we do baptismal Sundays is, is we intentionally will set up the baptistry on that Sunday morning. What's amazing is, is when you don't set it up, You don't talk about it. And people just go, oh, I'll baptize later. I'll get baptized next month. So we realize, boy, we ain't baptized. It's amazing what happens when you have a dedicated Sunday, the first Sunday of the month. It allows us to say, hey, if you've never been baptized, you need to get baptized. Why is baptism important? Because the Bible says, unless a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Baptism is not just something we do. It's who we are. And it's fundamental to getting people to heaven. It's that important. So that's great that there's 20. 22 people more this year that have been baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then we have more people get filled with the Holy Ghost. I think we had 12 people filled with the Holy Ghost as compared to the year before. It was absolutely fantastic in that, which is absolutely exciting. That's the blessings of God. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Now, what's really cool is we have an average weekly attendance in our groups of 51 People. 51 people is our average group attendance in our groups. I can't tell you how happy that makes me. Do you know why? Because that's where people grow. That's where the church is at its best, is in a group setting where you can talk to people and you connect with people and you can minister to people and you can share your story and you can tell these. I don't want to put people on blast, but in our group, some of the most amazing moments is when, I, I, won't, I won't call them by name, but is when somebody out of the middle of nowhere says, yeah, by the way, God healed me of cancer nine years ago. What? You've been coming here four months. You've never told me that before. Yeah, let me tell you the story. Those are the types of testimonies that build your faith that happen in the context of a group. Groups are not just something we do. It's important of who we are. It grows our faith and it allows you an opportunity to share what God's done for your life. It's where the body is the strongest. The body depends the body. The body heals the body. The body needs the body. You can't just have a hand and cut it off and expect it to live. The body needs the body. Groups is so important. This is awesome. That means over 60, 65% of our church is actively attending a group. If you are not in a group, pastor begs you, get a part of a group in 2020. It will be a blessing to you. It sometimes is a sacrifice. Can I get a witness? When you're tired and you had a long day at work and you ain't had time to get dinner and you're dragging yourself and the kids to group. Sometimes it's a lot, but can I be honest with you? It will be a blessing to you at some point and you never know what that word can be to somebody else and you don't know what their faith is and they're scared to share and you don't know what temptation they're fighting and you don't know what addiction they're fighting and you don't know what the lesson may be that can help them or how it will help them in the future. Groups is awesome. And then we had 19 people complete all of Bianova level five and 28 people have actively completed at least level one, which is absolutely exciting for our church. Is that it? Is that the, awesome. Let me put these few other highlights out. You know it's amazing and and again if you're a first-time guest you're probably thinking man what is this pastor doing who knows come back next week maybe it'll be better but as for now here's what's amazing is this past year we had a hundred and forty four registered first-time guests come to our church now If you include our also special outreach, that number balloons to 195 first-time guests that walk through the doors of our church. Believe it or not, you may think that's amazing. That's actually kind of sad to me because that's a down year of what we normally have of between 240 and 280 is our average of first-time guests. Now, you may say, Pastor, that seems like a lot of first-time guests. It is a lot of first-time guests. That's great. And that is why we do the Stick Six Challenge Every week somebody told me and said pastor. Why do we do that every week? Because we have first-time guests every single Sunday that walk through the doors of this church And what we want them to do is make sure they have all the information because they're obviously looking for a church to attend. We want them to have all the information possible. Say, hey, is this the right church for me? Is this somewhere where I can grow in God? Is this somewhere where I can put down roots? Is this somewhere where God can use me? And that's what we ask right here. And so that is a really awesome thing when we say, hey, so if you ever wonder and say, why do we do the six six challenge at the end of every service? That's why we also are very excited to do this. Are you ready? Uh, We have a campus ministry at Nova Community College, led by Jasmine, which is absolutely exciting this year. Trey Williams and Jamie, Sister Jamie, started a P7 Bible Club at their school, which is absolutely awesome and exciting this year. Let me tell you a couple other big things, and and I should have added this before, but um, for that year, for the end of the year, what's awesome is is that we are continuing to pay off and pay down the van payment this year we paid over ten thousand dollars to the van which the van is something that um that we purchased uh, on payments and uh... hopefully perhaps in 2020 we will come close to paying that off if not all the way off but our van is a blessing now now some y'all don't remember the good old van (sighs) but if i could just be honest with you okay you may say pastor Why did we go finance a $35,000 van? Well, one, I wasn't, I don't know, I went and did it on a whim, okay? No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, the, the issue is, is that we have people that come on the van every Sunday morning. God forbid somebody wants to come to church, but they can't get to church. When we live in a nation full of people that have cars. Can I get a witness somebody? If I could go even further, we need van drivers, folks. Our two van drivers, Mila and Tim, do an amazing job. They rotate every other week, and they pick people up in vans. Thank God. I I know this may be a a moment, but if I could throw this in. I'm a a bus kid. My parents didn't go to church. And the only reason I'm here today is because there's some guy in the church who's now passed away, Brother Larry, who'd call me Sunday morning. Hey, you come to church today? Call me Sunday night. Hey, can I pick you up and take you home for church? Hey, every Wednesday, hey, can I pick you up for church? Hey, every Friday night for youth service, can I pick you up to church? Even though he wasn't going, he'd make sure I was at youth service. I thank God because I'm standing here because somebody came and picked me up and brought me to church. I wanted to go to church. It wasn't a want to. It was I didn't have the means to get there because I'm a 13-year-old kid. My parents aren't going to take me. I thank God for our our bus ministry, it's a valuable ministry. That 10,000 bucks, that's worth every penny and more. Can I get a witness, somebody? That if people want to come to church, we've got the availability to get them to church. And I could say this, is that if you could help maybe consider driving the van one time every six weeks, it would sure take a lot of stress off them. I'm thankful for their sacrifice. But I'll, I'll tell you this, I'm very thankful for our van too. Is that I remember it would be a prayer request about every other every other month. Pastor, get up and say in the prayer request, someone pray for our van. It's back in the shop. It was a 2003 Dodge van, Ram, a Ram van. I mean, that mug, the ceiling was hanging off at some points. I mean. There'd be buttons missing down. I didn't even know what a couple of the buttons on the dashboard did. They, they were just, just things sticking out. Sometimes you have to get pliers and turn them and say, oh, that's the radio again. Who knew, right? You want the heat, you'd have to try to figure out a way to maneuver. I mean, it was a hot mess, folks. Uh, at, at some points, the blinkers wouldn't stop blinking. I mean, uh, we put about 5000 to $7,000 of maintenance into that old van. And finally, I said, I'm sick of paying for maintenance on a van that's 13 or 14 years old. Let's go get a van. These people want to come to church, let's let them come to church in a nice van. And that's why we did that. So I'm thankful for that. And I stand by that. And I'm sure you all do too. Can I get a witness somebody? And uh, and I'm sure our van people are thankful for that. I told our van people, hey, y'all make sure we can make the payments. We're going to be returning this mug. I don't know what we're going to do. I hope you get a membership to Capital Bike Share. You're going to be biking to church and I get a witness somebody. Uh, The other cool thing is I wanted to point this out is this, is that last year we ended up coming up uh, close to uh, $22,000 in the black, which is really awesome for the year. And that uh, also doesn't include that we put $30,000 in our building fund, which is really, really exciting. I thought I'd get at least a hand clap there, but boy, that was, that was like a lead balloon right there. Was, what? Um, as part of this year of stress and filling out all of these fun stuff, can I get a witness somebody, has been the idea of are we going to buy a building, which if you were having conversations with me or if I brought this up, that we had looked at a location and we got three different bids from contractors. The average bid to move into a shopping center right over here in Franconia was $240,000 was to do the remodel. And then they called us back and said, oh, by the way, Alexandria said that the fire sprinklers are out of date you'll have to do all new fire sprinklers. That'll be about 310,000. I was like, Boy, I don't know if my heart's going to make it through this thing. I'm going breathe. You know, I was like the back. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's going to work for us. Like, you know, and, and the good news is, is, I'll say, is that really had allowed us to have conversations with uh, banks about financing and, and the future of the church. I believe 2020 is going to be a very amazing time for our church. And, and we, are, we are transitioning. I used to say, we're a baby church. We're a toddler church. It's kind of messy sometimes, but we're there. Uh, The reality of it is is that we are a church that are moving somewhere. And we need to position ourselves more. Uh, A lot of you have told me, Pastor, why don't we have a building fund? This year we're going to launch a building fund in February. We're going to have a very focused effort for that time where we are going to put money specifically away for a building fund. We were approached recently about buying land and saying, hey, you could buy land. It's going to be $1.5 million. That's what I said too, can you, you know, you all are there, but I actually get the call. I'm like, what? I say, how much is in the bank account? That's not gonna work for us either. But you know what? I believe that we are going to continue to move that direction. And the reason for that isn't not necessarily just so we don't have to set up and tear down, but I believe that once we get a building, we'll be able to do more ministry, which is what we need. And I'm thankful for Danielle's house, but eventually Danielle's going to kick us out. You know, the Bible says, you know, don't be too frequent at your neighbor's house. They'll get sick of you, right? Or, That's pastor's version, okay? But the, the reality is, some of you know that with Christmas guests, right? You're like, yeah, Yo, you got to get up out of my house, right? How many days are you leaving? I love you, but you got to go, right? Uh, you know, the, and when the in-laws come, I have great in-laws, but, you know, eventually like, okay, you got, to, you got to go home. Okay, okay. Uh, Some of your family may be here. You just smile and nod, okay? They won't know that you're offended by them being here. But, you know, eventually uh, what we need to do is we need to do more, get back to our ministry where we can continue to grow and have a youth center and have a full-functioning nursery and a full-functioning Sunday school that isn't just a makeshift up and down. And I'm so thankful for all of you. I don't want you to think that pastor is ungrateful at all you are an amazing church it really is such an honor to lead you awesome people because you get here early at 9:30 in the morning and you help set up and you help tear down and you help do all these things and the church could never do What it does without us as a body, amen. And so I am so grateful. But there's so much more that we could do. And there's times where I have a vision. Could you imagine a bouncy house in your Sunday school where kids came in and say, "Hey, if you come and you're good, you get to jump in the bouncy house," or "Hey, you know, you get to do these things." And we try to do things like now, but there's so much more that we could do if we had our own facility that we could do more ministry, and we aren't confined to Sunday morning from 9:30 to 1:30, and where we can do again youth Bible study and do our our classes and do those things. And and I'm thankful for the future of where we're going. And I'm thankful for 2019. 2019's been an amazing year. Somebody say amen. Uh, But we really have a lot of ways to go. And I'm excited about that. But what I'm most excited about, it's going to be what the Lord does. Uh, The Bible says, except the Lord builds the house, they that labor Labor in vain. It's his church. Can I get a witness? Somebody and I trust in him. And and what you do is we are just stewards of what God has given us. And as we are continuing to be stewards of what God has entrusted us, we are going to continue to march forward. And I say this statement. <clears throat> I haven't said it in a while. But uh, you know we're not where we want to be, but we're a whole lot better than we used to be. Can I get a witness? Somebody of anybody that's been here for years soon say, boy, I remember back in the day. Boy, pastor, I remember. I remember the comedy club. Y'all ain't even known the comedy club days you know, some of y'all think I'm funny. Well, I did preach in a comedy club, but you know, uh, uh, what I'm saying is is, is that God's been good to us and, and we continually are trying to get better and follow what God's doing for us because God is a stewardship God. And he said, he that is faithful with the little shall be made ruler over much. That doesn't just apply to us in our personal lives. It also applies to the body of Christ in our church. And that's where we say, God, I trust you. It's your church and we want to be a good steward. But here's the issue is that you can't go back Backwards. You can't go forwards while looking backwards. You can't go backwards and forwards at the same time. You ever seen anybody try to go backwards and forwards at the same time? It's whacked, right? It's impossible, right? Cars, people, right? It it, it just doesn't work. The the movements are against these shelves. And in the Bible, we find that in Genesis chapter 19, the example is obviously Lot. And Lot, we understand, is chosen, he is following uh, uh, God, and he chooses the land towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and we understand in Genesis 19, and I'm going to summarize a lot of this for the sake of time, but in Genesis 19, if you're really interested in a story, and uh, a graphic story, and a really wild story, if I could summarize this up, and, and I will, because I didn't get to preach last week, so I get double the time of preaching today, somebody say, go on, pastor, Thank you to the people that said that, I love you too. The people that didn't, I forgive you in 2019. Haters going to hate. But the lot, lot as he was there. The Bible says he chose the plains. And the Bible says as he's there, eventually in Genesis 19, you will find in the scripture he says, and he is sitting at the gate. When he's sitting at the gate, he is intricately involved in the affairs of the city. Somehow Lot began to move towards Sodom and Gomorrah because he was scared. He was Fearful, And he said, they're going to attack me out there, so I'm going to go close. Even if I have to deal with sin and I have to deal with wickedness, I'm willing to compromise that for um, uh, uh, no fear, for a, uh, an illusion of safety. But what we find is, is that when the Bible uh, says that, uh, the Lord sends these angels to rescue Lot's family, the Bible says that, that, that Lot lingers, even though they say we're going to destroy the city, read the Bible. It says Lot lingers even after he gets the message. I've got to get out of here. I've got to move forward. He is so intricately involved in the matters of sin and in the matters of the city he cannot move forward because he's tied in a a capacity to what's back and he's lingering even knowing the safety so much so that Lot does the terrible decision and again I'm going to summarize this for the sake of time but if you read this in your Bible you'll find that pastors right there is that when the men uh, of, of the city see the two angels they go and knock on Lot's door and say, hey, let us have sex with the men. Pastor's not off on this. And Lot, hashtag worst father ever, says, oh, take my two virgin daughters. I don't know what kind of dad that is. I don't know what kind of family that is, that you're willing to sacrifice your two virgin daughters to be raped by an angry mob of men and that's the city you want to linger and hang out in. Can I get a witness, somebody? And the Bible says that as he says, no, 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 take them. Finally, as they get out of the city and in Genesis 19, We find that when he says says this, we find that Lot is perplexed as he's tied still to the city. And we find that as he's leaving in Genesis 19, he goes and and he's saying, "I, I still don't know if I want to leave the city. Get the picture. He's saying, because if I leave, I'm fearful I will be attacked. He's willing to sacrifice his family, sacrifice his salvation, and endure wicked punishment that God said, I'm going to punish the city because he's fearful. He can't go forward because he's so tied to what's back, and he's so scared of maybe what could happen in forward. Can I just tell somebody today that we don't need to be scared of what God has for you in your future? and we can't let fear define what you do. You can't let fear define your purpose. You can't let fear define uh, your calling. You can't let fear define the will of God. If you're fearful, then you're going to easily stay in the back because the back seems good. The past seems safe. The past seems like it's the right place. But when you trust God, sometimes you've got to say, God, I trust in you. If I trust in you so much to save me, I'm going to trust you to protect me. Can I get a witness somebody? That we need to trust God, that if he was willing to save you from the depths of sin he can protect you from anything and everything that you may face in your future no matter how bad it may be no matter how it may line up God can still do it because he is still on the throne he still has all power he's still unmovable and he is still in control we serve a God that can still do that and yet we find that is Lot's wife who When leaving the city, the Bible says in verse 26 of Genesis 19, Lot's wife, Sister Lot, looks back at the city and she turns to a pillar of salt. Well, part of that, if I may add something in that I heard a preacher say, is that the reason she looked back is because she got it from Lot. Lot's heart was tied to what was back there. He was fearful even to leave after the angels say so. What we understand today is that you can't move forward while looking backwards. And you can't move forward while interested in what's backwards. And you can't move forward if you are invested in what's in the past. We are not only leaving 2019 behind, but as we leave our decade behind. The vision remains clear and is defined by our mission statement that we are called to create change and to spread light. I believe that if it has ever been a time, now is the time to remind ourselves that the reason we are here is not just to say, feed me, pastor, tell me more, pastor. Give me something for me, Pastor, but God has called us so that we can reach more. People and I believe in 2020 we're going to reach more people than ever before. I believe in 2020 I, we're going to see more people get the Holy Ghost than what we've seen ever before. I believe in 2020 we're going to see more people get baptized than what we've seen. And can I get a witness? Somebody. I believe it's time that we understand that in 2020 God is going to help us to reach our city and to reach lost people and to reach people with the Holy Ghost and to reach people that are backsliders and to reach people that are lost because there are people that are lost. And and on their way to a lake of fire there are people who are genuinely hurting and genuinely need something and our mission is still his mission we are called to reach lost people and we are called to reach everybody not just a certain somebody not just perfect people but everybody we are here to reach imperfect people and people that may not have it all together and people that may have some flaws and faults but let me tell you something that's what Jesus's mission was he He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose. That was his mission. That's the reason the church exists, is to go and preach the gospel to every creature. That's why we go to make disciples. That's why we say, hey, there's something better out there. And his name is Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins. That's why we exist. Can I get a witness, somebody? Jesus' mission was defined when he spoke in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There's still brokenhearted people today. And they need the body of Christ to go to them and to tell them, hey, there's somebody that can heal your heart. There's somebody that can heal your pain. There's somebody that can heal that depression. There's somebody that can heal your loneliness. There's something that can do it. And it may not be prescription drugs. And it may not be a, a series or a movie or a TV show. But it's Jesus that can do it. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Let me remind us is that we are a soul-saving station. We are a lighthouse. We are a spiritual hospital. God help us if we become a country club rather than a hospital. May God help us if we decide that we're going to be a club and a networking opportunity rather than a soul-saving station for people that are hurting. That is not why we exist. If you want a network, there's better networks. If you want a country club, there's better country clubs. There's more amenities somewhere else. But we've got to be about the purpose and the calling of God, even if it's inconvenient, even if it causes us to sacrifice, even if it causes us to to get outside of our comfort zone. We must be about the mission because that's what he said. How dare we call ourselves Christians if we don't follow what Christ did himself? How dare we say we are like Christ as a Christian if we don't say, oh, I'm here to seek and to save that which is lost. How can we do that? It is a fraud if we say that we are not about people and lost. As long as there is one lost person, we are called to go to that person. As long as there's one hurting person, we're called to go to that person. As long as there's one child who wants to come to Sunday school, we're called to go find that one child. As long as there's one teenager who's saying, I don't know what to do. That's the mission of the church is we've got to be about the person that needs Jesus. As long as there's one person that's held captive to sin, we are obliged to go with everything that we've got and to give everything that we've got and say, there is something else that can get you out of sin. There's a Savior. And that's the mission of the church. We need to remind ourselves the mission of the church. We need to get a burden again for lost people. When was the last time that we've wept over lost people? When was the last time that you realized that the person that you work with is literally on the path in eternity to a lake of fire? When was the last time you realized the person in your school, the person at your job, the person that's your neighbor is literally struggling with something that you have the answer to that you do not share? Could it be, what a shame, that when we stand on Judgment Day before our King and our Savior, that we stand and know that we didn't help people and we had the aid? I'm reminded of the story I preached earlier this year and it fits in this context right here of the people on Mount Everest this year who were climbing the 450 people, the eight people who died on Mount Everest as people walked right by them and would not help them. Not 10 years ago, in 2019, as people were running out of air because they were waiting in line to reach the summit. And people walked by because they said, I've got to go to the top myself. I'm not willing to sacrifice to help somebody. And they lost their life on a mountain in a journey when somebody easily could have said, here you go. I don't need to go to the top. You can live another day. What a shame when the church has lost its way because we're so focused on something grand that we forget the people that we pass. Could it be that as long as there's one person who has no hope, there's a church that has an answer? Hear me today. I absolutely rebuke apathy, and it cannot be tolerated. I don't mean to be mean, I don't mean to be ugly, but convenient Christianity is a sin. When we say, God, give me more, help me more. What's in it for me? I don't seem to read that when I read the Gospels. When I open up the Word of God, and I I read Jesus and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Those words don't seem to say, oh yeah, go live a comfortable life and, hey, drive that Tesla and live in a really huge house and go on those vacations to the Bahamas. That's really what the Lord has for you, brother. I don't find those words, but I find Jesus going to hurting and to rejected and to people that are in need and people that want something more. And there are people in our day, in our interactions that we talk to that need something. They're strung out on opioids, other things, strung out on drugs, human trafficking, I just had a conversation with two of my minister friends yesterday that we were at uh, Miss, and they said that the sheriff of the area in out past Loudon said, you know the number one thing that we face in our area is opioids and human trafficking. Right here in Northern Virginia, that there are people who manipulate teenagers and say, hey, have your mom drop you off to soccer practice. We'll pick you up, take you to go do malicious, illicit acts, and then drop you back off at soccer practice, and mom and dad never need to know. We'll give you some cash, and and if you tell, by the way, we'll threaten you, and we will kill you and your family. Human trafficking, not overseas. It happens overseas, but right here, in our region. May God help us. And I don't have the answer, but what I do have is, is that we need to try to figure out ways to reach these people. Because that's what the church at large should be doing. And I feel like that's what our church needs to do, is to remind ourselves, hey, these kids, We need to reach them. Teenagers, we need to reach them. Because if we don't, who will? And if we don't do it, who will do it? God hasn't called us to be complacent because someone is dependent on us. Could it be that their future walk with God is dependent on your current state of your walk with God? Could it be that we need to follow him so that we can lead them? Could it be that we need to follow and get outside of our comfort zones? And I ask you this in an honest moment, is are you doing all that you can of what God's called you to do to reach people for him? I'm not here to put you on blast. I'm here simply to ask you to take an inward because it's between you and God. I'm not here to judge you. I don't mean to condemn you. Uh, I'm not here to to hurt your feelings, but I am here to provoke you and to ask you, are you doing all that you can? It's amazing that she's going and she has a nursing home uh, ministry, and it's amazing that she's going and she preaches the gospel to people and she builds relationships with these people. That's awesome that she has done that. There are people that need something. And can I say this is that there are people that walk in here every Sunday morning that they're searching for something. And may God help us if we are so concerned about us that we ignore people that sit right beside us. That's why I tell you to talk to people all the time. Hopefully it's an opportunity that you can engage with them and maybe pray with them Perhaps maybe it's an opportunity that you can be the person that helps pull them in and makes them feel comfortable so that they can step into a walk with God, that they can find peace and healing and deliverance. Could it be that we can't allow ourselves to be complacent because there are people that are dependent on us? As long as there's one person who's never heard of Jesus, we are called. Let me tie this up as as I'm running out of time. You know, just this few months ago, let me tell you about my friend Perry. Perry, which one day I hope Perry comes to church. But Perry contacted the church and said, hey, I've been reading this Bible thing and I want to get baptized. But I have a condition that I can't be under light and I've never been to a church, could you baptize me? So we had our baptismal team, get here early. Brother Richard, who's not here, and uh, Fidel, and I think Pesh, and uh, Brian and Jason, and probably Stu, because Stu's always here. Even if he doesn't want to be here, he does a great job, he's here because his family's here. And he doesn't drive, so he's gotta come, but probably Stu is in that too, is what I'd imagine. And if you, I, I forget you, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I don't mean to. But man, they got here early at 930. We pulled the big tub out, the horse trough, and they brought buckets down. So at 10 a.m. when Perry walks in, Perry comes in, they're doing music practice. Everything's set up. I said, Perry, nice to meet you. He said, I'm ready to get baptized in Jesus' name. I've been studying this out. So I said, Perry, here's what's going to happen. We pray for him and. He said, you know, I've never heard people pray. I've never been in church before. Perry's in his mid to late 30s, early 40s. Never been to a church. He said, wow, I've never heard people pray. There are people that walk in here for the first time that may share Perry's story. I've never seen people worship. Could it be that your worship is the release of somebody saying, I've never seen people worship God. Could it be that they've said, I've never seen people raise their hands, even though the Bible says, I wish men everywhere raise hands. Some of our men, we need to be worshipers. Can I get a witness, men? Okay, all four of you, thank you. <laughs> Could it be that because a Perry comes in and we pray for him after he gets baptized, I meet with Perry for a Bible study and start talking to him. Perry said, I didn't even know I could pray for myself. Yeah, Perry, let's pray that God heals you. He said, do you think I could come to church? I said, absolutely. He said, even if I stay for 15 minutes, I said, we would love it. He said, people won't get mad at me. I said, people won't get mad at you at our church. We have a great church. We have a friendly church. We have a really great church for that reason. And he said, people won't get upset. I said, no, people walk out of my message all the time they'll just think you're normal. I said, come as long as you want. I said, we'd love to have you. As long as there are people like one person, that's why the church exists. That's why we do everything that we do. That's why we set up and we tear down. And every single thing is for one lost person. For one person to have the opportunity to meet Jesus. That's why we meet. That's why we gather. That's why we interact. That's why we grow. We follow him so we can lead them. Let's all stand. I'm done. I'm way done. I'm done done. I am way over. I told them I was going to preach long. I told you all I was going to preach long. This is your fault. You chose to stay. 2019 is on you, dog. Okay. long as there's one person, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to do everything in my power so that I can reach that one person. That's why we're starting to podcast, even though I hate podcasting because I don't like to listen to myself preach. And so I always think, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That was bad. That was dumb. Bad, bad, bad. But we're doing that so people can listen and hopefully they come to church because that's what they say you should do. And if it means one person coming, I'm willing to do it. You know, we talked about streaming for the same thing. For someone like Perry, who can't come but could watch. That's a reason that we may do streaming. If we had the manpower, we would have been streaming six months ago. We don't have the manpower to set up and tear down and to get it live. There are things that we can do to reach more people when the body becomes active and the body starts to move. You know, I'm thankful for our Spanish interpreters. Uh, Brother Richard's gone and Diana's gone but they have started to interpret that we have headsets. If somebody speaks only Spanish they can hear me rambling about whatever it is I ramble about on Sunday mornings. Thank God that we can be bilingual. One day we'll have a Spanish church. But I would think that there will come a day where we can have somebody that speaks Arabic that that translates live in our services. We can do those things. The question is, what are we doing for the Lord? Because God has a plan, he has a purpose. You're not disqualified, you're not discarded. God does want to use you. And there is a place and a space to be used. We just have to figure out what that space and place is. That's job of pastor. Pastor's gotta find ways to continue to help you grow in your walk with God and how God can use you the way he's called you to, to be used. And we are called to make disciples. Disciples are consecrated. Disciples are committed. Disciples, disciples are followers. We are doing a church-wide fast, January 13th. January 13th, we will do a one-week media fast. Let me be clear, that means all media, no media. I hope that you will enjoy, You will join me. No streaming, no YouTube, nothing. When you go do that, open up your Bible, pray. You'll be amazed at how much extra time you'll get prayer in your walk with God. The following week, you ready for this? January 20th, one twenty. Yeah, I know. That was clever. Uh-huh. No? Okay. Tough crowd. We're going to do a one-week Daniel's fast. That means we're going to fast for one week, and uh, we're going to do the Daniel fast. The reason I tell you this is I would hope that we have everyone participate. And if you don't know what the Daniel's fast is, in a brief overview summary, no meats, no sweets, because it rhymes. But there's other stuff you shouldn't do, and you can look that up, and somebody will tell you about it but you should start to prepare your body and join us for a week fast. Because 2020, we want to be disciples and committed. Right now, I wonder if you could raise your hands. And the reason we want to be disciples is to follow him so that we can lead them. I wonder if right now you could raise your hands and you could pray and just talk to the Lord for a moment about, God, lead me this year, this decade, that I may grow and help lost people, whether it's the homeless person I see on the street, whether it's the, whether it's the single mom, whether it's the, the orphan, whether it's that everything we do, God help me that I may find somebody and lead them to you. Help me right now, right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I wonder if right now you would just begin to pray for somebody. You may even need to call them by name. God, touch my neighbors. Touch Jonathan. Touch Fatima. God, I pray right now you would touch them. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to open up a door that I could share the gospel. Open up a door that I can share something more. God, I pray you touch my coworkers. I pray, God, you touch my friends. I pray, God, you touch backsliders. I pray you touch family. I pray right now that, God, you would help me that I may share the light, that I may create change and spread light, that I may be the change, that I may do what you've called me to do. God, I, 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 I'm I'm declaring right now that Lord, my vision of 2020 is God, we're going to continue to explode in revival and explode in this dimension, God, of new ministries and new people being won and new people being baptized and more opportunities to support missionaries, God, of other people that are preaching the gospel and other people, God, that are moving in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it right now. Amen. I, you know, I feel led of the Holy Ghost if I could. You know, we support nine missionaries That fits into what we are. You know, we support a missionary in Kazakhstan where there's no church and it's an underground church and if he's caught, he is dead. Let me tell you, uh, I need to be very careful not to use their name, but in August, uh, August, the second Sunday in August, we have a missionary here. Do not miss that Sunday. He is a missionary to the Middle East, and he is, uh, will be here Sunday morning, and um, his identity is concealed because if he is found out, he operates in other aliases. But if they're found out, they could literally lose their lives. When he walks out of his house, he looks at his four-year-old and seven-year-old daughter, and he may never see them again to go preach the gospel. That's a real hero, folks. That's a real sacrifice. And he's gonna be here with us Sunday morning. I begged and pleaded with this man, please come. He said, I- I- I'm-, I'm-, I'm coming around in August. And, or he said, I'm-, I'm deputizing. I said, whatever I can do, please don't make me get on my knees and beg you in the middle of Starbucks. He said, we'd love to come. And I said, I- I- please, please, please. Our church will treat them like royalty while they're here. But I'm begging you, don't miss that service. What an opportunity to support. And we're going to, I'm just gonna tell you now, we're gonna support them. We will probably take up a special offering to give to them first projects. They actually own a church in the Middle East that they've they've started. They have property in this country. Literally, just amazing. They're gonna be here. The missionaries that we support in Kazakhstan He's underground. If he is caught, he will very likely be persecuted. Brother Carpenter, he was here. We support him every month. Thank God that we're, we're not able to go do that. I don't know if you're willing to go to a, a country where you could literally be persecuted and put in jail. If you are, that's amazing. Come see me. I'll, I'll set you up. I got people to take volunteers. But watch. We can support those people that are going. Thank God that he's given us... I believe that God's gonna help us to support more missionaries. It's my goal to put 20, 30, 40, 50 missionaries. I can't go, but I can find people that can. You know, we built a church in India. We helped build the church that's having church there this morning. This church helped them. I seen a he sent me a Christmas card. Them, their little Sunday school, sitting there and I thought, you know what? Our church, I'll have to show you the pictures next week. Our church helped build that those kids are having Sunday school in India right now because of us. Thank God. And that's why I say, God we're blessed. I, I'm, I'm, I don't want you to feel bad, but I thank God for what he's using us to and I think that's why God's gonna continue to expand in our vision because where we have vision and where we are good stewards, God continues to multiply. All those numbers I showed you, all of an increase. Everyone why? Because we're trying to follow him so we can help lead other people. I, I, when I go to Malawi in July, I'm going to Malawi. Me and my wife are leading a mission trip of 50 people. When we go, I'm gonna, y'all are gonna have some heartbreaking stories when I come back in August, all right, you're gonna be weeping over people in Malawi, I'm sure of it. But what I know is, is that anything I can do to reach people, anywhere and everywhere, I'm called by God. And so are you. We are called by God. He said, go and preach the gospel to every creature, everybody. Right now, I wonder if we could pray for our missionaries, the orphanage that we sponsored in Burkina Faso, the church in India, in Kazakhstan, in Ireland, Romania. I wonder if right now we could pray for the, the orphanage that, that we have a family that supports in Cambodia. Those 60 kids that we feed, 30 kids that we feed every month. God, bless that orphanage in Cambodia. God, bless each and every person. God, bless those families. Bless them right now. Bless the church in New Zealand, God, the borders. God, bless those people. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, bless our friends that are starting a church in Brooklyn. God, I pray that you would bless our friends that are moving in each and every one of these cities, in each and every one of these countries. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God, you begin to move and to manifest. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, bless the Calhouns who are having revival in Netherlands where there's only been two churches of 15 people. Bless them, oh God, for having revival in the Netherlands right now. In the name of Jesus, God, have revival, I pray. Lord, in each and every one of those countries, God, I pray right now, Lord, that you have blessed the Palmas, God. I pray right now, God, that you begin to move in Jacob and Mandy. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, you have blessed the Thompsons in Guatemala. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that, Lord, you begin to move in everyone, protect them, oh God. Lord, I pray that you begin to have revival in each and every every one of those places, in Jesus' name, God. Let it be so, in Jesus' name. Very quickly, as we move to communion, this section first, if you would come down, grab a tray, move quickly, move quickly, come down, come down, quickly, quickly, quickly. You have to get ready to come too, as soon as they're done. Grab a thing and just stick up towards the front. Brother Tim, I'll have you move slowly to your left as people continue to pile in. Okay, you guys start to come as well. Grab some, grab some. It is, I hate to say the word of tradition in reference to communion, but we all often do communion very specifically around the new year because it's a great time to consecrate ourselves. Him slide to your left. Keep sliding. Disciples are consecrated. Disciples are committed. And they're followers. As we get ready to partake in communion communion is holy. It is a sacred thing. It is also a commandment of the Lord. I personally believe that the Bible does not give a measure in which how frequent we should do communion. But I do believe we need to do communion. I'm so always careful of communion. Thank you because of how I was brought up in the Catholic Church, that you do it every Sunday, that sometimes when you do something so frequently it can lose the value of how sacred it is. It just becomes a part of the routine, which is why we do it infrequently, so that when we do it, it is true to what it is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, the Bible says, for I have received the word of the Lord, which." Also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he gave it, gave thanks, and he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Hold on, I'll tell you when to take it. And after the same manner, he took the cup, and when he had supped, he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. In verse 26, NIV says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He died so that salvation can come into fruition. The reason he died was so that we can enter into a relationship with him. He didn't just come and die to die. Death had a purpose. The purpose was so that we may know him and live with him and spend eternity with him. If you would prepare the bread, which is the first one at the top, a word about the bread. The bread refers to sacrifice. The broken body of our Lord calls to mind the terrible price that he paid for our redemption on the cross at Calvary. There, Jesus endured all the brutality, humiliation, and disgrace the human race could dish out. For some of what he endured for you with your eyes closed, he went to the cross so that you could remember that he was beaten He was scourged. He was spit upon. He was mocked. His beard was plucked out. He was stripped naked. And then his hands were nailed to the cross. He was crucified for our sake. And all of this was done for one reason. You. And that is the gift that we thank the Lord for in this death, was that it was for us, because he loves us. As we take the bread that symbolizes the broken body of the Lord Jesus, take time to stir up a moment in your minds and remember, it was for us. You may partake of the bread. And he said, when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. A word about the blood. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It takes the blood sacrifice to save the soul. And only blood that possesses the power to save the soul is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ under the new covenant of the blood of Jesus can make the lost sinner clean and prepare him for a heavenly home. It is simple faith in the shedding of the blood of Jesus that saves the soul. It was the faith. The blood speaks of a priceless compassion. Luke in 22 and 20 reminds us that his blood was poured out for us. He did not die for himself. He did not go to the cross to liberate himself, but to save you and I. He died so that we may set free. You may partake of his blood. And 1 Corinthians says, and after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped saying this is the cup, is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it, do in remembrance of me. Right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if you could take a moment and pray and thank God for what he's done for you and I, that we may follow him, that we may love him. I wonder if you'd lift your hands and I wonder if you would just close your eyes and I wonder if you would worship him right now in the spirit of the Lord. I thank him for his goodness and his mercy. I wonder if right now you would just spend a moment and just begin to thank God for what he's done for you because he loves you and I. I wonder if right now you just lift your hands and i wonder if you just commit to god that in 2020 you are committed to follow him he died for us so that we may follow him i wonder if right now you would just begin to say god i give it all to you i commit to you to be a disciple that i may reach other disciples and i may reach other people that i may follow your will i wonder if right now you would just lift your voice and pray a prayer of commitment and consecration right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I love you and I thank you for your goodness. Cleanse me of anything I've done. i leave it back. I don't carry it with me. I'm not invested in it. I'm not interested in it. I'm not tied to it. For this is a new year and a new decade and I declare that this is going to be what you have for me. In the name of Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We declare it right now in the name of Jesus. Let's it lift your voice and begin to say, God, use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, oh God, you can use me, God. Use my hands, use my feet, use my voice. God, use me as your servant, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, help me today that I may find and fulfill the purpose and the will of God, that I may be a small piece in this puzzle, but God, let me be a part of what you want to do in the name of Jesus help me God bless me God so I can be a blessing give me favor God so I may reach people God in the name of Jesus open doors let it be such in the name of Jesus we thank you for it right now Lord we declare it and we lift you up right now in the name of Jesus hallelujah 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 Lord we will declare it we proclaim it right now in your holy name in your holy name.